you please stand and join us in singing I Release? There was a time in my life I thought I had to do it all for myself I didn't know the grace of God was sufficient I didn't know the love of God was at hand But now I can say If you are discouraged Struggling just to make it through another day You've got to let it go, let it all go, and this is what you have to say, oh I release and I let go, I let the spirit from my life, and my eyes are open wide, yes I'm only for God, no more struggle, no Forever a part of living spirit 
back and find out if there is still uh, a date that fits your schedule um, and pick up the book and you can join us in that. It is a, it's a wonderful, wonderful book about breaking through uh, ideas that no longer serve our whole, our whole community. Another important event. How many of you were here on Easter to watch the to experience the Manese Choir? Yeah, they're fantastic. If you miss them, please don't miss their final event in Edmonton. It is this Friday at the Wheel Spirit, May 29th. Um, they are just an amazing, amazing group of musicians, and so um, please. Make sure that you, if you haven't seen them or if you haven't loved them and want to give your support, Friday at the Wings here. And there are tickets on sale today for Jack Fowler's concert, which will be held Friday, June the 12th. So, again, at the back table after service. And now, as most of you know, Sue Hodge has recent, recently released a beautiful new CD. It was playing before the service. It may be playing after the service. I really encourage you to check it out. It's incredibly healing music. And uh, what you might not know is that she's got enough material for a second CD already. She's a very prolific songwriter, and I'm not envious of that at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you're going to hear one of her new songs, uh, not the next song she's going to sing, but the one later. Um, Sue also teaches voice. She has workshops and individual vocal coaching. She has studied uh, specifically how sound can be used in healing. So if you want to know, know more about that, I encourage you to talk to Sue and welcome Sue to sing a beautiful Bruce, Bruce Coburn tune. I like to think I wrote this song when I was Bruce Coburn. There is one mind, isn't there? It's called All the Diamonds. All the diamonds in this world that mean anything to me
practitioners that have been in service for today and for this week. Uh, these people are trained in the art and science of spiritual mind treatment, and they are here holding the highest knowing for us, the highest intention for both our service and for each of our lives individually. So if there is anything that you are um, having a heartfelt desire for, and you'd like to write it on the, um, the opportunity for you card that is in your program, if you put that in the collection basket when it comes around, these, they will be doing treatment for you in the coming week. They are also available after the service for one minute ministry in the room China, and before the next service, and before each service actually, with the meditation. So um, our, our team that is in service today is Reverend Catherine Cardinal, Sue Stevens, Audrey Nate Caldwell, Sandra Gibbs, and Vita Crawford. And now would you please join me in uh, welcoming Audrey Nate to do our inspiration for you. The curious thing is, if one of them tries to climb out of the basket, the others will grab it with their claws and drag it back, drag it back down into the bucket. If that same crab is persistent and continues to try to lift itself out of the basket, the others will pull it back down and rip its claws off. Eventually, the fisherman pulls up the basket and has a feast. The moral is obvious, isn't it? Many people have surrounded themselves with crabs, those who do just about anything to hold others back, keeping them from lifting themselves up and out of the situation of limitation and moving into a better place in life. I suppose this story supports the old adage, misery loves company. Sometimes it is easier to stay stuck in our limitations if we have others with whom we can commiserate. The good news is that while crabs in the basket can't do much about their situation, we can. We can choose the people with whom we will hang out with. There are basically two types of people in life, lifter-uppers and puller-downers. We have a choice as to who we will be and whom we will call our friends. It is easy to pull away from the puller downers in our life. Is it easy? Sorry. Is it easy to pull away from the puller downers in our life? Of course not. Because there is a huge power that comes being, from being part of the collective energy, even when it is negative. And so, would you like to join me in welcoming now our minister, our senior pastor, and the person who uplifts and inspires us, Reverend Patrick Cameron? Welcome, good morning. Boy, where'd you all come from? There were about 10 people here last time I ducked out the side door. It's great to see everybody. It's great to be here. Beautiful day, huh? Yeah. We've earned it. Not that we have to earn it, but you know what I mean. All right. So, we'll, we'll, we'll accept it. I'm going to invite you to sing a song and we'll, and we'll do a prayer. If you'd like to stand up, great. If not, please stay seated. up behind me if you're interested in singing along. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. Oh, beautiful. And there's quite enough love and why? 
So I invite you to know with me, as we stand together and sit together, we have called forth in a very intentional way the vibration of the Most High. Not that it is not always present in our lives, always, but when we choose it, it has an opportunity to choose us in a beautiful, wonderful way. And so may that choosing this day open the doorway in our hearts and minds and our being at the very core of who and what we are to allow the information, the inspiration, the energy, that loving balance of harmony, peace, joy, ease and grace, whatever it may be, we say yes and we welcome it. And the ideas that show up, we apply brilliantly and wonderfully in our lives. And the awareness to know what is no longer necessary, perhaps what we've carried for years, out of habit, out of mindlessness, whatever it may be, we can put it down right here and right now. If we need to understand it more, make it obvious. If not, it's done right here and right now. We move forward in this unending, beautiful opportunity of possibility and potential. That life is here for us and we are here for life. To live fully, to laugh, to love, to hug one another, to embrace one another, to look into one another's eyes and say, I see you. And to call back and say, I am here. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my sister, for being with me on this journey the joy and the celebration of our lives that are infused by this spiritual reality that we dip into frequently and often. I just give thanks this day, knowing every good thing is called forth for each and every one of us. Something wonderful is truly happening here. For this, I give thanks. I say yes to that. Bring it on. And together we say, and so it is. Please be seated. We have been gathering information this month from the, the Trance of Scarcity by Victoria Castle. And it's, I, just, um, I love this book. I keep reading the chapters, and I just love the information. It's so simple and so concise. I actually went on the, her website this morning and uh, was looking, checking things out. And she's a fascinating woman. I'm going to call her on Monday and see, see what she's up to. She knows we're doing this. and Maybe she'll come hang out with us for a while. But anyway, we've been talking about this idea of the circle, stepping into the circle, which is really about this... This cycle of abundance that she, she talks about it in her book. The cycle of abundance, part of the practice that I asked you to, to look at in your life and something that I work on. As she said, I, I love, um, this morning I read, she said, my life's purpose is to help eliminate struggle wherever I see it. Do you ever, have you noticed anybody struggling? Have you, every once in a while I'll see somebody struggling. I mean, if we, but we've all, we've all struggled. My teacher used to say I have a PhD in struggle. And, uh. But it's, it's an interesting journey, this one, and it's practice. And so each day, it is the practice to be mindful of how we do that. And I love the simplicity of what she has to say here. That circle is about, it's about generosity, it's about giving, it's about aligning, it's about openness, it's about gratitude, it's about receiving, and it's about attracting. And it's a flow, and it doesn't require us. So we don't have to earn it. Because I came out and said, you know, we earned the good weather. No, we didn't earn the good weather. It just is. The weather's the weather. Whatever it is. You know, if it's minus 30, we still show up and we still do the, the best we can. We were out, uh, Laura and I are finally, I think we finally are uh, truly Canadian. We truly are Edmontonians. We, every year now, we used, to, we used to marvel at how everyone would plant. The, the, it would finally warm up May long weekend. Don't put your plants in because it's going to snow and rain. That's, I mean, that's, the, that's the, the cultural conditioning for this environment. And so we, you know, we waited and because... Everybody says, wait. And so but we used to marvel at how everybody, everything would all of a sudden plant. Everybody put their plants in. And now we're right with them. We're out there buying plants and putting it in and getting it all ready. And, and there's such a joy. It's sort of an unspoken agreement we have because we have a, a little area in the back of the house. It's our sort of summer sanctuary. So we fill it with color. But I think our hearts, I think our beings long for that color. And, and you step into it and there's just a joy. And there's such great joy in growing something. Isn't there joy in, in building something or growing something? I just... I was so connected with that yesterday, and I just thought about all the opportunities, and here we are growing ourselves. We're growing ourselves, and there's a wonderful uh, poem, I've, I'm into Rumi these days, a wonderful poem by Rumi about friendship, and I think with Victoria Castle's work, I, I realized that I can be a better friend to myself. Could you be a better friend to yourself? I mean, truly. Are you a great friend to yourself? Are you stepping into that circle and saying, you know what, oh my gosh, what an amazing day. Are you celebrating those small victories? Yesterday we, we planted our plants and it was just so joyful and, and, and to do it. And I thought, this is awesome. We're ready to go. We're good to go now for this. Well, you know, and, and of course I'm treating now that it doesn't do that thing it does in the wintertime. But 
we never know. But if that happens, you know what? You start over. What are you, you going to do? Anyway, Rumi has this beautiful poem that's on love. It's called Extending Friendship. And I think it speaks so beautifully to what Victoria Castle's talking about. And here's a guy in the 12th century that wrote this stuff. So has the human condition shifted much? See, what I think we want to do is we want to live a life that's rich and full. She talks about pleasure. And pleasure means supple. So when we show up alive, when we show up in the circle, stepping into the, giving ourselves consent to live in the circle, man, we're powerful beyond measure. We're alive and we're vibrant. We're a magnet. People want to hang out with us. In fact, let's try this first. She said, you know, go ahead and, and slump in your chair where you are. Slump down. And now drop your chin down and tighten up your shoulders and your back and your arms as tight as you can in your hands and then tighten up your gut and squint your eyes. All right, now you're ready to go. Go out there and be amazing, huh? <laughs> well, she, taught, she writes about that in the book. And I thought, you know, what a great example. How many times I showed her, look at you, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to do my talk. Life is just so great. And, oh, you can't believe it. Now go out there and knock them dead. Yeah. It's an extreme example, but part of the practice that, that I've incorporated in getting better and better, because it's practice, is finding out where I tighten up. Because as she, and, and just beautiful stuff here, when she writes about how physically, we carry this stuff with us physically, and it's, it, it's part of our, our psychobiology, as she says. And it's true. It's true for me. So I find myself at times when I'm in a challenging situation, or I've got a challenging conversation to have, or an awareness that shows up for me, how I tighten up. And there's certain areas in my life. I used to carry all my stress right in the middle of my back, and I'd go to see the chiropractor, and I would be so tight, he couldn't adjust me. And so he'd say, well, come, go get a massage and come back, because I can't move you, man. And I'd have this knot in the, in the middle of my back, sometimes all the time. And so over time... She talks about how this, we, we, we move into these periods of stress and anxiety. It just becomes this way of being for ourselves. And when we're, in, when we're not in that circle, it's very hard to be creative. It's very hard to, be, to live in the freedom and the joy and the celebration and the pleasure, the suppleness of life. So Rumi has this to say, Ex- expanding friendship. Money and real estate occupy the body. But all the heart wants is expanding friendship. All the heart wants is expanding friendship. And friendship with ourselves, to make peace with ourselves, the process of, of forgiveness. You know what? You know what? I did the best I could. I did the best I could with that. I brought a couple extra bags of, of potting soil home yesterday because I overestimated. And now I get to take them back. But I think 10 years ago, that would have been an issue for me. You know, why didn't you plan better? Take it back. Be done with it. Declare victory and move on. It's like the lady that was on the diet and she went and had the piece of chocolate cake. And I told her, look, just declare it a vegetable and move on. Don't worry about it. (laughs) It's the story we make up about it. And our stories are so compelling. A rose garden, Rumi again, a rose garden without a friend is indeed a prison. A rose garden without a friend is indeed a prison. A prison with a friend becomes a rose garden. If the pleasure of friendship did not exist, neither men nor women would be here. I think that's true. I think we're here to be in relationship. We are one. We're connected. And we're here to help... Dr. Holmes said that. Dr. Ernest Holmes. There's no private good. Your good, your, your success, your joy, your celebration is all of our celebration, all of our joy. It diminishes no one. But we think we, there's this cultural conditioning. Somehow me having uh, my place in the world diminishes someone else. That we have to play small in order to, be, to live a rich and full life. Rumi, a thorn from a friend's garden is worth more than a thousand cypresses and lilies. Love sews us securely together, and we owe nothing to the needle and thread. Because we're already together. We just think we aren't. If the house of the world is dark, love will find a way to create windows. Dr. Holmes talks about that. Consciousness just turns the light on. We live in the darkness. I brought my, his favorite quote with me today that I think speaks to that. I, I, I will get it memorized one day as well. But he says, Ignorance stays with us until the day of enlightenment, until our vision towards spirit broadens and casts out the image of a no longer useful littleness. And that's what this work is about, this trance of scarcity. We go to sleep, and we're waking up gradually. And I think it's important to have the conversation. And it's also important to understand that our bodies play a huge part of that because we carry it in our, in our being. 
We embody that which we believe we embody. It's a thought tendency, as Dr. Holmes said. Back to Rumi. If the world is full of arrows and swords, the armor of love has made us coats of mail. Love itself describes its own perfection. Be speechless and listen. We're immersed in it. See, Rumi was writing from that mystical place. That he was, the, you know, the Sufis are the lovers of God. He would spin around and around his pole, and he would just dictate this poetry. Amazing man. So stories, we have, we have the stories that we make up. When I was nine years old, my friend Brent Jasperson and I decided we were going to build a tree fort. And so we went and we scrounged around and we found wood here and there and we found a few cans of nails and we found a hammer and we went way up in the top of this tree. And we built these little sort of crows, these little crows nests. We had a bench up there and then we had another bench up there. We didn't really build a tree house, but we built little benches where we could fit them in. And so we had this great plan. We said, you know what, Friday, it was summertime, Friday lets you and I spend the whole day in the tree. And we're going to bring a lunch with us. We're going to pack a lunch and we're going to stay in the tree the whole day. And so this is awesome. We took the vow with one another as nine-year-old boys do. And I, I'm there with my bag lunch. I'll never forget I brought a, uh, an empty mayonnaise jar full of, <laughs> full of milk. And I had my sandwich. And, you know, I had because you're going to be in the tree all day. You don't want to... You know, so it never occurred to us, you know, we might need to use a restroom. It never occurred to us, all these things. But we go up in the tree, and we get there about 8 o'clock in the morning, and about, I don't know, 8.45, 9 o'clock, there's not much to do. We're just sitting in the tree. <laughs> He's looking at me, and I'm looking at him. And I said, oh, did you have breakfast? Yeah, yeah, I had breakfast. Yeah, me too. Kind of hungry, huh? Yeah, yeah, I'm hungry too. So we, we're gonna, we start eating our lunch, right? I mean, it's, we've been up there 45 minutes, and we're hungry. And... So we decided to move lunch to the lunch schedule up. And so it's Friday. And, I'm, and I was in, raised in the, the Catholic tradition. And if you recall any of you, as I do, uh, on Friday you don't eat meat. You can't eat meat on Friday. In fact, if you eat meat on Friday, it's a mortal sin. And so about halfway through my bologna sandwich, <laughs> I realized it's Friday. And rather than stop realizing that I had lost my way, I just kept eating. And what happened, how this played out. So the story starts to, and this is a story I start to tell myself. Because you eat meat on Friday in the Catholic tradition at that point in time, that was a mortal sin. Mortal sin meant you burned in hell forever. Man, that's an expensive sandwich, don't you think? (laughs) But what I realized, looking back, if I thought about it, because I don't eat bologna anymore, but there's no meat in bologna anyway. What was I thinking? (laughs) But anyway... I go ahead and finish the sandwich, and I am just, my gut is just churning. And my back, and every, I mean, I'm nine years old, but I know I'm in trouble. I'm sweating bullets. And I'm trying to make it, peace with it. And I don't know what to do. I really don't. Because, you know, the, the way to get through this in that tradition is you go confess your sins. And so you really, there's that, that period, there's that gap where, man, I've got to get to a priest and confess my sins. Because if I get run over by a, a garbage truck, I'm hooped. I'm, I've got eternity in a very warm place. And, and I mean, that was my belief system. So, but, but it starts to work on you. And how it works, so I, you step, I stepped out of the circle. I mean, we're so excited. We're spending all day in the tree. And we brought our lunch. It was awesome for about, you know, an hour. And about, within about 15 minutes of doing that, I reached out to grab a branch and put all my weight on it and was swinging. And the branch broke. And I'm up about 35 feet in the air. And I start somersaulting in the air. And I'll never forget the trip down because just as I was, I was going head first, I was somersaulting. And I looked down, I saw the ground, and I tucked my head in and I hit right on the top of my back. And it just, it just, it, the, the pain was unbelievable. I just laid there. And I had broken my back. I spent a year. I broke it up high enough, didn't have to wear a brace, but I had all, all my buddies, all summer long, I couldn't run anymore. They put me in the hospital, and I was in the hospital for about six weeks. And I, fortunately, I'd broken it up high enough so there was enough support with the rest of the back. I'd compressed the top uh, second, third, and fourth uh, uh, vertebrae, right? Yeah, vertebrae. Done it. it was a compression fracture. But the doc said, you can't run for a year. And so I had all my friends, and so they'd be, let's go over here, and they're going to play ball, and I'm walking as fast as I can after these guys, and... You know, after about two months of that, I'm like, forget it, I'm running. So 
You know, fortunately, things worked out. I can remember my dad coming. I lived in a very small town. My dad was on the, he was a volunteer fireman. He showed up with the ambulance. He heard some kid fell out of a tree, and he looks down and sees me. And he just freaked out. And I'll never forget the neighbor whose tree it was for years. I, never, I thought about this yesterday, thinking about this story. He would, he would just sort of look at me for, for years. And I think, he was, I think the memory of that and the fear that I might have gotten permanently hurt or there was damage that went on. But I, you know, it was always such a different experience with him after that because I think he was so grateful that I didn't you know, get hurt or get killed. But the point of it is, is that I had such guilt and such shame, I found a way to punish myself. You know, Dr. Holmes says we're not punished for our sins, we're punished by our sins. And there's an example of this pristine consciousness of a nine-year-old boy that was, was conditioned in a way that, that created such guilt and shame. And, and I, I, I don't share that story with you because I want to pick on the Catholic tradition. It's a great tradition. It has, you know, my mother's a devout Catholic, and it's, you know, she's a saint. So it's not about that. But it's, it was really, it's such an example of how stepping out of the circle... For me, how it plays out in my life. And I've looked at those. I've had experiences. You've probably had events in your life where all of a sudden we step out of that circle. We start to live in constriction. And then other, and, and things happen up. Things happen in our lives that, that play themselves out. Because it's all consciousness. Conscious, consciousness precedes experience. And as, as Victoria Castle talks about, it's so, during, the, during our, our day... One of the practices at the end of chapter 4 is to check in how we're doing. How are we holding ourselves? You know, how's our back? How tight are we? How, how tight are we? I was in the back there getting ready, and I'm just doing a check-in with my body. Where am I hanging on to energy here? Because I want to be free in this. I want to be able to express and be creative. I want to show up so vitally alive and present with you all. And I cannot do that to the best of my ability if I'm dragging things along with me, the guilt and the shame or the resentment or whatever may happen. It just doesn't serve a great purpose. It doesn't allow me to live in that, to live in the circle where I'm generous with what I have, with everything I have, to be generous and to give what I can give, wherever it is, wherever it's needed, to give without qualification, without condition. Because what it does, we step into the flow. That's why we had a wonderful, uh, we had 10 amazing people come in this week to interview for board positions. Amazing, amazing community and just the vibrancy of things going on. We have a lot of committee stuff we're doing and it's just so exciting to be part of it. But there's, there's, a, there's an energetic here that we have built over time collectively and to continue to nurture that and live in that. And I think when we're in that space, when we're in the circle, it's a powerful and amazing place to be. And so I, I share my bologna sandwich story with you because it was such an obvious example of story and how I internalized that story. And then it had to play out some way. I had to be punished. And um, it, it was painful. It was very painful. And how many times since then in my life have I, have I sabotaged myself because I feel like I have to punish myself in some capacity? And so I think if we bring the best of ourselves to whatever we're doing, to make that agreement and to, to cut ourselves some slack and, and to open ourselves up to moving forward, it's, it's just so much more interesting and effective. I want you to move forward. I don't want you coming in here clenched up, squinting, holding on tightly, holding on to some story, some idea. And so how do, we re, how do we reform that story? What can we take from that story? For me, that, that whole story was truly about what we teach and why this teaching so, made so much sense to me. You know, I don't think initially when I found the teaching, I went right to that story, but I look back over my life, the times that those things played out, it's consciousness playing itself out. And, and um, you know, I'm so grateful for a tradition that I don't have to live from in that way anymore. In the book, she talks about this guy, Mick, who comes to see her, one of her clients. And mixed message. We all have messages. What's your, what's your theme for your life? You know, I, I mean, I think the theme for my life, for most of it, until I really started to get this, was work hard. Work as hard as you can, as long as you can. And then you're going to keel over one day. I really, I mean, that was the model that I had growing up. We all worked. Five years old, you're working. I'm working. I'm five years old. What am I going to do? My dad would bring me down and told the story. We'd rack bottles. We had this dungeon. In the, we had a, had a little grocery store. And we had this dungeon where we all empty pop bottles. I used to hate the folks who would mix them up. Two Nesbits, two Pepsi, two Coke. And you needed 24 to make a case. Oh, my gosh. I'm five years old. I hated those people. People would come in. They'd say, hey, can I mix it up? My dad goes, sure. I go, no, no, no. They're going to bring them back, and I won't be able to make a case. I'd spend eight hours racking three cases of 24 bottles. That's how fast I worked. I was incredibly fast at five years old. 
my dad would yell down and say, what are you, what are you doing? Racking bottles. And there was a lot of interesting places down there. It was very dark and spooky. But it didn't bother me. They left me alone down there. Yeah, well, so I, was I working? No, but I was there. You know, that kind of thing. And the only way out of it is if you were playing sports. So I figured that out. About six and a half figured that out. Dad, I'm going to go play baseball. See you later. Out the front door. I go do my thing. Which, you know, when you, when you have those kind of restrictions in your life, you get very creative with your excuses. That's all I have to say. It gets to the point where even if the truth is easier, you'll still make up a lie because it's more interesting. I mean, it's, just, it's an interesting way that that plays itself out. But anyway, Mick comes, and his, his theme is that life is unsafe. Anybody feel like life is unsafe? Has that ever been in your story? That life is unsafe. And she says, well, let's, let's, let's remold that. Let's remodel that story. Let's find a more interesting story. And so Mick's doing his work, and he says, all right. He says, I got a, I got a better one. He said, this is, not, this is it now. I can maintain my calm in the midst of anything. Pretty inspiring, huh? I can maintain my calm in the midst of everything. See, nothing has shifted. That's just another articulation of life is unsafe. Now, that's just white knuckling it. I can maintain my calm. I'm calm. I'm calm. In the midst of anything. And so once he started to connect with this story, life is unsafe. And, and, and so it's a conversation. See, all this is gradual. It's our discovery. We have, to, we have to do the exploration. And he realized, having the discussion with Victoria, he said, you know what? And this guy's 60 years old. He's lived a lot of life. He's lived a, a life is unsafe his whole life. Never would take the chances. Would, never would step out trying to try something new. Because life's unsafe. Life's unsafe, people are unsafe. And if I believe life's unsafe, I'm unsafe. I can't be trusted. And that's what we're telling ourselves. So he came up with this. Great things just keep happening to me. See the shift? Great things just keep happening to me. Great things. I put that sign up when I first came here. I said, we've got to have a bigger idea. Something wonderful is happening here. And see, wonderful is somewhat fluid. It's organic. It keeps changing and shifting. But it gives everybody space to play in. So when people ask me, you know, what are you guys doing up there? You know, we have, we're, we're getting all these downloads on, on our Sunday talks all over the, uh, North America. And I just say, well, something wonderful is happening here. We keep doing what's before us. The, 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 as the consciousness shifts and grows, the opportunities of people, the resources change and shift for us. That's the way consciousness works. And I'm in, the, I'm in, the, the, I'm in that curve with you. I'm constantly looking at the new ideas. I was on the website this morning looking at the Victoria Castle stuff. I was looking at the stuff that does the somatic coaching. I was like, you know what? I'm thinking, hey, I want to go learn more about this. I want to do this. I want to apply it more in my life because I know how powerful it is because it's not just it's the embodying. See, it's not just the, the idea over and over again. It's the embodied. It's the embodied experience. And then it becomes through the practice, it becomes so much a part of who and what we are. We just do it. It's our unconscious knowing at that level of living. For many of us, it's very stilted. We, we come here and we learn affirmative prayer. And affirmative prayer, for many, is very clumsy. It's because it's new. You know, new behavior is always, is always uncomfortable. And so it's, it's really about that embodiment at the deepest level of being. Richard Strozzi Heckler, who Victoria studied with, he has an institute in Petaluma, California, said, true learning, receiving the transmission of experience, happens at a level much deeper than cognition. It is the experience of the lived body that we have the opportunity to contact and learn from the process of being alive. It's from the lived body. That's why it's important to, to do the work at the level of consciousness, to shift and change. And so the practice, as I said, for me, the, the practice, and it's huge, is to catch myself when I start to tighten up. I start to, you know, I start to make up a story that, isn't, that, doesn't, that doesn't align me. I step out of the circle. And what I'm finding now is I step back into the circle a lot quicker. It's the same thing that Eckhart Tolle was talking about. When you bring consciousness to the idea, when you bring awareness to the idea, right away it shifts and changes. It starts to, it starts to lose its hold because we, let, we put it down. I mean, contracted. Contracted is effort. It's constant worry. We have a constant worriers club here, if anybody's interested. They meet on Tuesday morning at 4.30. <laughs> we haven't had a lot of folks showing up yet, but... I guess they're worrying about it right now. <laughs> Chronic tension, congestion, can't happen attitude. You got a can't happen attitude? Can't happen. Never happen. Never get a break. Competitive, judgmental, defensive, see obstacles, withholding, hyper cautious, 
take self too seriously. Exhausted, fighting against, resigned, keeping score. Oh, yeah, that's a biggie, keeping score. Hanging on, unspoken or vague expectations, consumptive victim inner conflict. You know, it goes on and on and on. Any of those ideas lift you up? Lift your upper? Or how about ease? How about prevailing trust? How about relaxed body? Effortless. Can-do attitude. Collaborative. Work together. Collaboration. It's so much more fun. So much more can be done together. Generous. See opportunities. Willing to take risks. Laugh easily itself. Energized. Fighting for. Resilient. Grateful. Releasing things easily. Making clear requests and agreements. Generative. Accountable. Wholehearted. Beautiful stuff. I mean, you end up, get up in the morning, read that list. If you want to read the book, read the list. It's on page 61. Read it a couple times and it'll, it'll shift your energy. I'm showing up today. I'm showing up generous. I'm showing up giving. I'm showing up aligning. Aligning with the highest possibility that I can be. You know, really, we, we come together and we have this great opportunity. I mean, really, it is an inviting spirit into our lives. Celine's sitting right here and she's helped me with my wardrobe over the years. And I got this email this week about this, this old cowboy that goes into a church. Did you get that one? No, oh, you have to read it. I think they sent it to you as well. Anyway, but uh, this old cowboy goes into this beautiful church, beautiful environment, and he's wearing his old dirty jeans, and he's got his cowboy boots on and an old shirt and a vest, and he sits down, and all the folks are there worshiping this beautiful church, and at the end of service, the man's leaving, and the, the, the minister's in the reception line at the back, and he says, you know, sir, he said, uh, I think that you might want to, in your prayer work, you may want to ask God, what would be a pro- appropriate attire for you to attend this worship service with us all? Because people were a bit put off with this appearance. And he looked at the preacher and said, yeah, okay, I'll do that. And he goes out and he comes back next week and dressed the same way. And so the minister standing in the reception line the next week and he said, did, excuse me, he said, uh, did, you, did you do any... Uh, contemplation and prayer work around this idea of attire and did you talk to God and ask him what he thought about appropriate attire and he said well yeah he said I did and he said uh, in talking to God God said he has no idea because he's never been inside this building <laughs> but isn't it true about I mean really we are the, our teaching is really such an organic thing it really is and I, and I know so many people here that are so beautifully in tune intuitively to the call I think we are all called to the life that, that Victoria Castle described so beautifully that a life that Dr. Holmes talked about and all the great metaphysical teachers whose shoulders we stand upon and so it's our opportunity this week you know, to, to start the check-in if you don't have this book I know we've got book study starting with it but do the check-in with yourself you don't need the, you don't need the book to, to check in and see how you're feeling and how you're showing up in the world are you in the circle are you in that cycle that circle of abundance that cycle of abundance and to live there. See, then we're not in it alone. Then the things that need to show up and the opportunities and the synchronicity, then the synchronicity can happen. See, I'm all for synchronicity. I want the entire universe on my success team. And, and you're part of that and I'm part of that. And it's giving consent. It's being open and willing. And it's paying attention. It starts and starting to pay attention to things we don't even realize are going on for us because they're so deeply embodied. That's what I'm discovering for myself. I'm amazed at the stories I make up about stuff. I look at somebody and I can make up a story. I tell you a whole life story. Don't even know people I'm making. I was at the I was at the garden center yesterday buying flowers. I'm standing right there, and this woman walks up to me and says, "Excuse me, how much are they, these over here?" I said, "I have no idea. I don't work here." She said, "Well, you look so knowledgeable." I said, "Thank you." No one's ever told me that before. <laughs> I told Laura, I said, I'm going to stay here a couple hours. You just drive around and come back and get me. It's fabulous. Yeah. But you know what? I mean, I was just there. I, w- I have to tell you, I was excited. We're buying plants. And I, I, love, I love, as I said, I love that stuff. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm probably, I'm, I'm well into that circle. And I'm, and I'm alive. And, and, and so that's, that's, that's irresistible for people. You become approachable. You know, opportunities can show up. Because you're like, yeah, bring it on. I'm attracting the, the highest and best in my life. Bring it on. Bring it on. Oh, I've got to learn a new skill to bring on more. Okay, I'm in. I'm in. I'm a lifelong learner. Plenty of room for improvement here. 
Although I still look pretty knowledgeable, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but I know, that we can all, I know that we can all step into this. This is not rocket science. You know, as, as it was Dr. Ernest Holmes, it wasn't Sherlock Holmes. It's easy to find. It's right there. It's available for each and every one of us. So this week, check in with yourself. Check in with yourself three times a day. The Buddhists say six times a day book. Great idea if you can do that. But check in, see how you're doing. What are you holding on to? What do you, what do you, what's the story you're making up? And how can you remodel those stories? She goes through a beautiful practice of looking at three, or, three to five options around a certain story. I have a lot of stories. You know, I didn't finish university. It's two credits short. never finished it. And, it, it was, and I always carried that as embarrassment that I wasn't smart. I was two, I was two classes short. I, wanted, I, had, I had things to do. But I was done with that learning. I learned so much by what I did and where I went. And to have the courage and the initiative to, to do what I did. And, and I need to celebrate that. Because I realized, you know, it took me that long in university to get to the point where I realized, you know what, I'm never going to do anything with this. And life's calling me to a bigger idea. And I had to go, my, my university was out there. I wasn't there, for, I wasn't there for the curriculum. I was there for the, the interaction, for the relationship, to learn and grow myself. And so I see that now, and I can celebrate that. I made peace with it. But, it, but that was for a long time. It was like, oh, means I'm not smart. Who says? And who cares? I mean, you're not smart. <sighs> you know, it's such a silly, but, but we do those little things in our lives that, that sabotage us. What do you do with them? You put them down. And you, you remodel that story. It's so important. So this week, give that some thought. Give that some thought. Those people, those self-reliant people, as she said, people that are... Fulfilled people, those who have ready access to their greatness and aliveness, are resourceful, generous, resilient, peacemaking folk. Let's be that this week. Let's make an agreement within our hearts to be that, to show up that way. So it is. After I stop trying to trip our music director with my... Um, I actually do want to just give you a tiny bit of a uh, preamble to this song. Um, I've been in the Monday Night Foundations class with uh, Connie Neeson. It's a fabulous class. I, if you're not taking classes, I'm just going to tell you to do it. And one, um, you know, it doesn't matter where the mind is when you go, oh, I know this stuff. <laughs> you, know, you go in and something happens. So I got really sort of cracked open one night and I went home and it was late at night and I'm sitting on my front porch and just looking at the light filtering through some trees and I just had this illuminating experience. I just felt like I was suddenly in this crystal bubble and just having this amazing dialogue with, well, whomever. <clears throat> and uh, anyway, the, you know, the, the moment passed and I went in the house and I just sat down and I wrote this song. And the next morning I and went to bed. The next morning I got up and looked at it and went, oh my God, it's a song. Just, I, just, I just wrote a bunch of words down. <laughs> anyway, it's called No Distance. So 
talent talent so let's know this together as we uh, we uh, give this day and let's give in a sense of generosity that spirit of generosity and know that as we give it returns to us pressed down and overflowing in beautiful wonderful ways so i just give thanks give thanks for this community i give thanks for the opportunity to live a life an enlightened life that continues to grow and expand in every way possible this is my knowing this is my declaration i stand in the, the generosity and the giving and the openness and the aligning and the gratitude receiving and the attracting in a beautiful way. I stand in that cycle and circle of abundance right here and right now and give thanks. Together we say so it is. Last week I, I quoted something from uh, The Course in Miracles And I was cor corrected this week So I, I just want to make amends and let you know That, that uh, I got it loud and clear That how I represented that was not accurate And I appreciate the feedback And, and so uh, I, I appreciate that Anyway, with that said, let's know this Once again Let us step into the circle Let us give ourselves consent to step into that circle To live a life that is vibrant Powerful and wonderful so that our gifts and talents may be shared, developed, and the gifts others are seeking to express, I can readily attract and receive in my life in a way like never before. I step into that flow right here and right now, and each time I forget, I step back into it. I give myself consent right here and right now. I am the authority in my life. 
I decide what stories I tell myself and how I reframe those stories. I move forward this week with the expectancy of the divine genius of the infinite moving in and through and as me and guiding me in the clarity, and the genius, and the knowing what is unfolding here, why it is unfolding for me, and continuing to move forward beautifully, powerfully, and wonderfully. Standing in that vibrance, I give thanks. I release these words in gratitude and appreciation and invite you to say with me, and so it is. Let's sing. It's reaching for heaven and warmth. 